What's going on, stalemates? Welcome back to our Joey the Needle interview, part two. If you have not heard part one yet, we recommend you go ahead and give that a listen, learn about the origins of our guests' steroid dealing and MMA coaching career. Other than that, thanks again for listening and enjoy. So then the whole Bobby, you know, Bobby's doing his thing, he's going up, and I feel like you're a steroid you know, it's going up at the same time. Do you kind of connect those together when you think about like those memories? Oh yeah, oh absolutely. They kind of go hand in hand. That, that 1999 was a real fun year for me, traveling the world. Yeah. Went to, went to see my boys over in Russia. Yeah. yeah. So Ukraine, excuse me, Kiev. So you're getting this. You have this good relationship um, with the Ukrainians now. Yeah, they like I, you. You before say, the Hawaii I'm, fight, I flew to Kiev. It was before the Hawaii fight? Before the Hawaii fight, I flew to Kiev. And you said in the book, like, none of your family here even knew that. No, I, 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 I didn't tell anybody. Would they? You were gone for like a week. What? I was gone for a week. I, I, looking back, I should have told my daughter, because I called her when I got back in New York. She was kind of stressed. You know, but if looking back, I probably should have told her. I know she, even at five years old, she could have kept a secret. I should have told her. Yeah. But see, I had a brother living in Fairfield. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought I was just probably stashed out at his place for a week. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> so you take off. You. Why? I would do that once in a while, though. I would disappear once in a while. Why'd you go to Kiev? I want to move. I always, always want to go see the old Soviet Union. I always thought it'd be fascinating, and it was fascinating. I got to be real good. I got to be real good uh, friends with my partner. At first, it was all by letters how we communicate, and he got a phone, and we'd call each other. I'd call him, we'd talk about politics, besides other stuff, sports. I knew about the Klitschko brothers before anybody knew about the Klitschko brothers, you know, the <laughs> boxers. I knew when they were up and coming. You know, we talked sports, we talked politics, our families. We'd become good friends, and uh, I was his right-hand man, uh, and he wanted to meet me, and I wanted to go over there. So, Was there, um, in the book, you, you, you call him Oleg, and it's in yeah, Prissy, so we're name. not going to say his real name, but he... You guys built this kind of relationship. He liked you. He trusted you. So he, he allowed you to stay at his house. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. What that, would that look like? Oh, you've seen the pictures. Nice house. Yeah. Real nice. Out, it's outside the outskirts of Kiev. Real nice. The Ukrainian government wasn't like, how is he? Did he have other hustles? Or like, how did they? They didn't say, how does he here's get the, this Here's how stuff works in Ukraine. Like, you, you, if, if I ask you what you do for a living, you don't ask that over there. Yeah. You don't, you don't ask what people do for a living over there. There's and no and if you of, tell on somebody, you either move away or disappear. That's just the way. It's real hush hush. Like I ask, I'll ask. I see a guy. What's he do? So we don't know. We don't ask. That's just the way it is. You yeah. just don't ask questions. And he spoke fluent English. Fluent better than you and me. And you spoke no Ukrainian. I spoke no Ukrainian or Russian. Okay. And so you go there. See, their their, their theory over there is uh, English is the uh, language of business. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to do merchants, if you want to do business, you better learn English. And he was in the business. Any kind of business, though. Yeah. If you want to make money, you got you know, English is the, the language you got to know to make money. And so he was kind of just showing you. It wasn't really, you weren't really handling business over there. It was just a no, pure pleasure trip. No, it was August. All, all the mobsters in uh, August go on vacation. There's no, there's no, it's vacation time. Yeah. It's kind of the, it's kind of the Ukrainian way. Huh. They, his son went to the Black Sea. What's that? To see down in the black. Oh, it's sea. an actual thing. Yeah, black. Oh, sea. I thought black it was like a, like slang for something else. Huh? I thought it was slang. It was for vacation. S- no, okay. they all went to the black sea for vacation, and, and uh, it was vacation time in Ukraine in August. And I, I got a question. I want to ask you about. Um, he had a friend that he took you to, and he said he wasn't like a rich guy. Didn't speak There's English. A professor. Professor, and um, he had a girlfriend or something like that, right? Yeah, she's pretty friendly. I showed you pictures of her. Yeah. I don't think it was actually a girlfriend. I think it was just kind of a mutual thing. Yeah, friends with benefits, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Good for him. So you took him... Well, first of all, talk about the McDonald's. So you guys go to McDonald's. In the, in the book, you act like this is like the freaking... Yeah, it, yeah. McDonald's, uh, it was it was spotless. I mean, it was phenomenal. I asked him why. He said, well, you know, it's an American business. People take pride in working for an American business. I mean, it was spotless. Really, yeah. it was. yeah. And at some point, you know, you're kind of killing it. You guys, I don't know if you've been drinking or what, but you, uh, you're having a good time. The, the girl that's with you, is, or that's with him, it's the professor's girlfriend. You go to the bathroom and what happens? She, uh, she's waiting for me outside the door trying to proposition me. And I'm like, this shit don't happen to me back home. I was kind of taken aback by it. And I kind of, 
didn't want to push her off, but I had to, you know what I mean? Yeah, you said I'm not a buddy fucker. <laughs> in, the, in the book, you said plus that. I didn't, plus, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to disappear. I didn't know how serious the relationship was, you know? Yeah, so that's what I was thinking about <laughs> in the book. In the <laughs> in the book, I actually wrote it down. Do you think that was a setup to see if you were no. like trustworthy? Uh, you know, I got home. No, I got home. That's said, what I would do. I would try to be like, hey, go in there. I got, I got, I got home. I said, hey, bud, you know, uh, what's her, what was her name? You know, Oksana, come on to me after the bathroom. You know what he said? What? Oh, you should have told me. We went and got and picked her up for you. <laughs> he, my buddy was married. Yeah. My the main guy. My buddy was married. Had kids. Yeah. But nah. But it, you know, you go to third world country. I mean, you're, you you don't you you don't want to stick out. You don't want to cause any major. You know. You, yeah. Keep, keep low. No, no. Were you like in super shape back then? Decent. Yeah. Decent. Huh. So then uh, after that whole trip, you come back. Did people say where were you? Did you tell people around nah, here? People don't care. You didn't my tell mom, anybody. My mom, uh, no. Nah. Yeah. Nobody. I disappeared for a week. Nobody. No. Yeah. And so this is in '99. Then you guys go to Hawaii. Yeah. And then um, at some point, so you originally got in trouble in 96. Um, three years later, you get arre- they ended up bringing the charges back in 1999. Um, you're doing your whole thing. How much longer until the Unionville arrest? Uh, three months after Super Bowl. Super Bowl was the last time I was in Bobby's Corner until I actually got him a fight in 206 in Cedar Rapids. Hmm. After uh, November, like two days after Thanksgiving, I knew a big shipment was coming. And... Uh, I come out of the post office. Well, Friday, I went and got a one box, and uh, I knew more was coming. I went back Saturday, and I, kn- I had a bad feeling. There was a lot of cars parked up on the square that day, and I come out of the post office with 40,000 tablets of Dianabol, and they surrounded me. Yeah. This is in Unionville? This is Unionville, Missouri. And so Unionville, because you had different post PO boxes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you had this. You had this weird, like, instinctual. I no. I don't know. Yeah. It, like, there was small town square. Nobody's usually there, and there was a lot of cars up town. I kind of had this yeah. feeling, but like, yeah. See, my thing was, it was all getting shipped with in, in USA borders, and I was like, you know, real, technically, they can't get in your mail, but they was doing some bullshit investigation on me. I thought the search warrant. I thought the search warrant was bullshit. Mm-hmm. I thought it was all hearsay bullshit. Search warrant. I went through a motion to suppress. I lost the motion to press. I did seven months in the county down there, and I did four months in the Missouri Penitentiary. What made them? They did somebody tip them off, or yeah, the cop in Centerville. So he kind of he kind of had his eye on you. He kind of knew, and they kind of got some. They kind of got some hearsay evidence. My my the attorney that I had down there was actually a judge. He said he got a shot to beat this. You know, I wouldn't have signed this search warrant, but small town. You know, mm-hmm. they ain't gonna let that, that. They didn't let it slide. And so you had all that those packages. You go out to your car, and is it just like the movies? Just like the movie. Yeah. What was going through your head? Keep my mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> First thing I said was, "I need a lawyer." Yeah. In the book, you never really talk about like being bummed about being in jail or anything. It always just seemed like you were just kind of like level-headed and like. Let's get. It's not fun, you know. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it uh, it is what it is. I mean, you just got to deal with it. My thing was, even though they threatened to throw the book at you, they can't keep you forever. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were. So I got caught. All that, they were threatened. I don't know, fifteen to you know, five to fifteen years. I mean, they were threatening all this shit and just keep a level head. And they they can't keep you forever. That's my. Plus, I thought I was going to beat the case. I, mm-hmm. I still think that today that the. The search warrant was BS. Mm-hmm. Did, so they they waited for you. They didn't want to intercept the packages because they wanted you to to have them. Yeah, they didn't really. They didn't know what was in them. Mm-hmm. They, they they just they they had reasonable suspicion, and that's why I fought the search warrant. Was it like state police or who? And the postal inspectors too. Postal inspectors. Okay. Yeah, it was reasonable suspicion why they stopped me. And then so you did what? Seven months in Unionville. Seven months. See, my bond was one hundred fifty grand. That's what. That's what kind of irks me about that case. My bond was $150,000. Had a guy next to me. He, he was fucking around with his kids, and his bond was 50000 <laughs> And I get the Kansas City paper, and there's murders that their bond was seventy five. It's a good old boy system. I won the good old boys because I basically told her, you know, screw your search warrant. I don't basically said, fuck you, and they didn't like that. 
So then you did seven months in there. What's that? What's the Unionville jail like? Sucked. It was uh, it's like a dungeon. Didn't yeah. get to see no sunlight. Yeah. It sucked. Yeah. Didn't did, get to see my kid. It sucked. Yeah. Because you said in the book you don't you didn't want your family coming and no. see you in there. No, I, I had visitors in jail, but any time I got sent to the pen, there was no visitors in the pen. Never. I wouldn't let them go through that prison gates. No way. Mm-hmm. And you, so you finally, you know, eventually you end up getting out. You did seven months. They, uh, they got rid of your bond or something like that? Or yeah, no? I got bonded out. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the search warrant lost. I bonded out. I thought I'd get probation. Can you talk about after you originally got put in Unionville jail, uh, you made a phone call to somebody to, for the money that you had? Yeah. So what? I had some money stationed in a safety deposit box. Luckily, I had a, her name on it. I, that was a, that was a, uh, that was a big win for me. I had like twenty, twenty-five thousand, maybe thirty thousand dollars stash in a safety deposit box, and my sister went and got it. And hey, what'd she do with the money? <laughs> she hid it for me. <laughs> yeah, she hid it somewhere. She hid it for me. I got it back. Yeah, I got it back. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the next day, you had a visitor from the police, and they about the safety deposit box. What yeah. happened? What happened? Also, had a, I didn't talk about them, but there was also. The Centerville cop was on me about the prescription tab pads, too. They knew about that, too. Yeah. They knew. I told him, ah, I didn't want to talk about that either. Oh, yeah, he, he wanted to know it was in a safety deposit box. And I told him nothing because I knew my sister got in. <laughs> he said, well, uh, we're going to cut it open. <laughs> do what you got to do, man. I don't, whatever. Too late. Too late. That was big. That saved me. A day late. Paid all my fines, and that was big. A she day did late, a big 30 favor grand short. She did me a big favor. Wow, so that felt like a win. That's a win. Yeah. <laughs> did that? Did that stuff? Did that like make you happy whenever you could kind of trick them or whatever? I didn't make me. Ha- I was just happy to have that money because I knew it was gonna get me out of a pinch. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of fines to pay, and you know, you spend a day in jail. They pay, they they make you pay for your day in jail in Missouri and Iowa. And I knew I needed money to get myself out of this jam. Yeah. I feel like every time that uh, like this kind of that whole thing. You were smart enough to know that. Like, I would have already thought that money was already been gone or frozen. Nah, nah that, you can't give the police too much credit. They don't know anything, everything. That's why you keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Did you, <laughs> in the book, you were always kind of, when I was kind of telling people about you, you were always like street smart about stuff. You talk about keeping your mouth too shut. Too brave. So that, that's my problem. Too brave. You talk about keeping your mouth shut. Let's go back to your, what, senior year of high school, the incident with the pool? Yeah. That was my junior year. Yeah, we, uh, our baseball team decided that uh, Centerville Swimming Pool needed a can of oil-based paint in the middle of it. <laughs> we would have got away with it. I didn't tell anybody. Man, I mean, I'm, I'm, I didn't tell my sister or brother, but everybody started telling their girlfriends, and, boy, and next thing you know, we're all down at the police station. So. And your job in that was to— I like, was the lookout. Yeah, and somebody finally squealed, and you guys— Oh, I mean, they— I mean, people start telling their girlfriends, Centerville, Iowa, and their girlfriends are going to tell you know how it is. And you said from that day forward, keep, you didn't do any dirt. You better keep it to yourself. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, so I, I wanted to make sure we had that in there. The, the Unionville thing happens. What I always thought was interesting with you was after every time you got in trouble, you get on the phone and you call the Ukrainians and say, I'm still going. Yeah, yeah. And when I got, when I bonded out for that four months, I just had stuff sent to another guy's house. I mean, it was just business as usual. I thought I was going to get probation. Mm-hmm. And they sent me down. And uh, when I got out, went back into business. And then after 9-11, that changed everything. We couldn't, I mean, there was, they, customs, you can't smuggle anything in it anymore. Mm-hmm. So 9-11, I feel like that whole, that changed it for everybody yeah. in every I mean, industry. It's, it's trivial that I couldn't smuggle steroids anymore because, you know, people lost their lives. Yeah. But that was a big, yeah, I mean, it's, that changed the whole Let's change the whole security system in the United States. I mean, you got the Patriot Act, you got all this stuff now. I mean, that 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 was a game changer. So I feel like at that time, a lot of things changed for you. Nine Eleven changed your guys' whole like business model. Yeah, after that, I was pretty much done as a, as a big time dealer. And then um, Bobby's career changed too because he was now getting into the UFC. Yeah, and that, that sucked because I, uh, you know, I I, I could have went on to went to Europe and seen a bunch of school stuff, but I was done after Super Bowl yeah. until. April or uh, August 2006. Okay. Is that the I can, I, can, I can actually, no, when I got him his last fight. Okay. August 2006, I actually got him that fight. So I can actually say I was his manager at one time. Yeah. And so what year was the Sheraton arrest? That was like 203. No, it was 204. 
2004. Okay, so 2004. So yeah, I, it was, I was basically doing nothing. I, yeah. I pissed some local cop off. I don't know what the deal. I, to be honest with you, I, I worked out in this weight room, and he pro, he was wanting stuff. And I yeah. told him, no, I don't do it no more. And I think it pissed him off. He did an investigation on me. And, I mean, I was, I basically had, I've had very little in my house. They, they got some warrant again, come in on me, and there was, there was nothing in the house, very nothing. Yeah. So you were, you were selling, a, you were doing, a, you were, you were doing a, a pretty big, you guys were selling a lot. And then all of a sudden, after 9 11, it was over. It shut it all off. I was a nickel and dime guy again. I mean, were see, you I had getting a job in a factory? Yeah. It was just a supplemental income. Plus. Did you, were you still getting them from the Ukraine at oh, all? Yeah. Okay. And that's what you were selling? Yeah. Okay. So but it, was, it was becoming more of an underground lab stuff. Yeah. And uh, you were just selling locally, or did you still have I still customers? I had my customer. People trust. I had a guy in Chicago. This, I had a guy in Chicago. I, I called him, I got busted in Sheridan. Told him, hey man, you know, and I, I got busted, blah, blah, blah. And he's making an order while I'm getting busted. That's how much he trusted me. He yeah. said, he's like, okay, hey man, when you, you, can you get this for me, get this for me, this for me? I'm like, hey, I just got busted. Yeah, I know, but just like, <laughs> <laughs> we know. That's funny. So you, yeah. you know, you get arrested in Sheraton. Can you talk about, you did, so also I'm talking about your, your coaching career a little bit. So you said you had coached uh, some like local level football and whatnot. That was with Hoffman in 98. But, but this kid, this cop. He was, a, he was I, I coached junior high track in Sheraton. He's one of my guys. And when they go in to arrest you, first of all, you got arrested again at the, every time it's the post office. No, this was at the, I got arrested in the weight, weight room. In the weight room. So weight room. post office first time, weight room the second time, they bring you to your apartment and they're searching your apartment in front of you. Yeah. And this cop, a uh, young guy. Yeah, he, he, thought, he thought he'd really done something. I had a box of syringes in there. He thought, I, I don't know, he, he got a big heart on over it and somebody had explained to him, hey man, it's just syringes and it's not anything in the fucking... He, he said was, he was like dancing around the room. Yeah, <laughs> he thought he really, yeah, he really thought he did something, man. It, he, he, he got a job with the Iowa Patrol after that. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any animosity towards some of the cops. There's like two or three of them. Mm -hmm. He's one of them. Yeah. yeah, screw you, man. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole Sheraton thing happens. Uh, how much time did you do for that? I, th I, th I only did, uh, well, they, they stuck me in jail. And I did 20 days. My, they, my bond was 50,000 cash or fucking nothing. Mm -hmm. I uh, thought they were going to send me down, but uh, they gave me probation. So what, was that how that jail compared to Unionville and the other jails you've been well, to? Well, they sent me to Osceola. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was like Max Security new one. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it, Unionville was a dungeon. This was like a top of the line. New, it was like one of the very few people in that Osceola jail. Because Sheraton had a condemnment because it was, fuck, it was, it was, couldn't pass state standards. Hmm. So you, the whole nickel and dime thing, and I remember you saying like you didn't really feel like you would ever get in trouble for that little amount. Was that like the least amount you were really selling? Yeah, like I mean, there was, there was nothing. I was, I say just supplemental income. I had three or four steady customers, but it was, the, the big time shit was over. Yeah. And so you kind of moved on. You had like a day job kind of at that point. Well, then I moved out of Sheraton and I come back to Sun Hill. You moved out of Sheraton, get a day job. You, um... I actually had a job over in Sheraton. I was working in a factory. I was laid off for a while. And like I say, it was just supplemental income over there. You know? Were you helping Bobby still at this point? No, I was done. I was, after Super Bowl, I was done mm -hmm. until I got him his last fight in 206. Okay. Can I missed you, all the European stuff. Yeah. I missed all that. Let's talk about the European stuff with Bobby. So Bobby, there's this big internet rumor going around that Bobby um, went to go fight Fedor somewhere overseas. In the Japan. internet rumor is that he got there and got scared and became nah. chicken and left. What happened was, man, he, uh, Bobby Hoffman was 27-4-1 at that time. And Fedor was 7-1. This, this was supposed to take place in August of 2001. Nobody knew Fedor, who Fedor is today. What it was, Bobby was pissed off that he wouldn't get paid enough. Mm -hmm. He found out some fighters in the show. It was a tournament. I think it was a rings tournament. We're getting paid. We we talked about this after the fact. Mm -hmm. You know, after, you know, we I wasn't in contact with Bobby then. But I, I, I blunt, I, what, what, what happened to you and Fedor? He said, uh, well, I go over there. And, and the first fight, he fights Fedor's teammate, who's a Sambu. It's what it's Sambo. Sambo. Re Sambo World Wrestling Champion. He beats him. And he finds out that he's got to fight 
Fedor now, who's on his, his so his cornerman been maybe sent him in there to soften him up for Fedor. You know how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. Plus, he wasn't getting paid enough, and he just said he basically went on strike. And he said, and then Fedor, I guess I seen on the internet where he said he was afraid of him. Now, I'm not saying he could beat Fedor, but he showed up in shape, motivated. I mean, he, he, it wouldn't have been easy for him, you know. Mm. When Bobby Hoffman showed up in shape and motivated, he was a handful. Period. Mm. Where did you, you said you didn't make it? Where were you at at that point? Were you locked oh, up? Oh, we was. Uh, I was on probation. Yeah. You know, I couldn't. I was. I was out of the picture. He plus he was kind of trained with militias then. He was, a, and then I think he went to California. He bounced out to California. Whenever you guys were going to Utah and everywhere else, you were allowed to leave the state. I went on probation then. Okay. That was just for that minor case. Yeah, I was never. I, I didn't. After I got busted big, me and Bobby were done until mm-hmm. his last fight. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't leave the country. One of uh, Bobby's last fights was the Cedar Rapids story. I got him that one. And that was 206? Yeah. Okay, can you talk about that? That was a interesting <laughs> fight. You said that he, uh, you stopped coaching him, but you got him the fight. I got, well, he, he come back from California, and uh, he, he'd been out in California. He got some legal jams, and one day he shows up at my house, and uh, I took some kids to the show up there because I, I started managing fighters, and I come to Centerville, local kids. And I took a kid to Cedar Rapids, and uh, the main event that I was a guy named Chuck Grisby. He's a big heavyweight. And I thought uh, he was good, decent guy, undefeated. And uh, my kid got beat, and I was kind of sitting in the corner pouting about it. I don't know if I got him overmatched or not. I was got him involved with a military kid. He, he was overmatched. Anyway, I saw uh, Chuck Grisby as a main event, and I thought, uh, boy, I wish I'd get Bob being on him. And uh, <clears throat> he uh, showed up at my doorstep about two months later. I said, I, got some, I think I got something for you. And he couldn't wait to get a hold of me. Yeah, because his, Grigsby's nickname was? The Reverend. The Reverend. And Bobby wanted it. <laughs> Bobby wanted the shot, the Reverend. Yeah. <laughs> and so you had called out, you got him, you hooked him up with the gym. And uh, no, he, got, he didn't train. He didn't train for that fight. Well, you he, said he, you called the gym and they, they said something like he spends more time at the. Oh, no, what I called, I. Uh, so I gave him the fight with the promoters. And so finally he, two weeks before the fight, he goes up there and he trains, okay? I mean, he's big and out of shape then, but I don't care because I, I know he's motivated. He don't like Chuck. I can tell he don't like Chuck. I said, this is going to be easy for us. I knew. So he goes up to Cedar Rapids and, and trains. Well, I knew what he's doing. So I have a friend up there I went to high school with, lives in Cedar Rapids. Who, I said, hey, you heard anything from Bobby? And he said, well... Well, I've heard he's down the strip joints every night, drinking, you know. <laughs> I said, all right, as long as he's in jail or dead, it will be all right. And, uh, yeah, everything worked out pretty good. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you show up. You're there in the crowd, not in his corner, right? You're just in the crowd? Who? You. No, I'm, 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 I'm his corner that night. So you're cornering him, and then um, Grigsby walks out. You say he looks good. He looks like a million bucks. Yeah. Bobby looked like uh he looked like he just got off the bus, man. man. <laughs> <What> <laughs> Bright did, red hair. What did he look like? like Charles Manson without the swastika, man. He, <laughs> he, looked, he was something else. He was you wearing, could tell he wasn't in training. What was he wearing? He had a pair of, uh, looked, like he, looked like he bought a pair of shorts out of a rummage sale, man. He had some old dingy shorts on. And, and the book he said he was wearing a penitentiary hoodie? Oh, he put on, yeah, he had a penitentiary orange sweatshirt and, and a Frankenstein mask. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, and he introduced himself as a record of having a record of zero and zero, and he came up with some, he called himself the, the crazy twisted white boy. I mean, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's just the bizarre world we lived in. Well, guy. he had somebody taken to the ring, yeah, too. Yeah, he, he met a stripper <laughs> that, that week, and she was, she had a bullwhip. And she was acting like she's cracking a bullwhip, rocking him to the cage. And he was in handcuffs, and he he un, she unhandcuffed him, and he went. And it was like, I was like, what? Whatever makes you happy, dude. I, he liked he liked that kind of shit. I was like, whenever I was a kid, one of Mikey had those videos of him. That was one of them that we watched. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Uh, you? I feel like I'm he like, knew it was his grand finale. And he just wanted to do something crazy. Well, see see what sucks about that. That shouldn't have been his grand finale. He won that belt. And we could have we could have we could have redone that guy's career. We could have got remade him because you got to think he's forty years old. Then if we could have went back and got him in shape, 
There's some good fights for him out there then. There's uh, Especially if he's going Kim, by the Twisted White Boy. Yeah, yeah, Kimbo <laughs> Slice. You know, if we could have got him, Brock Lesnar. You know, there's some big fights out there that we could have. But he went to California, had legal problems again, and then we were done. How do you know? think those fights would have went if he fought Kimbo or... or uh, oh, Kimbo Slice. I think he done very well against Kimbo Slice. Yeah. I think I think in shape motivated Bobby Hoffman could have handled Brock Lesnar. Yeah, he defend a takedown, throw a punch, and take a punch. I mean, that's... He beat he beat Alistair Overeem and Overeem put uh, Brett Lesnar in retirement. So Bobby Hoffman could compete with anybody. He if he would have done things right, he could have been UFC champ. There's no doubt about it. Mm. So that whole Cedar Rapids thing that was um, 206. two oh six two two thousand six. Yeah. Okay. So two thousand six. Uh, so that's kind of the end of his career. Yeah, unfortunately. And like I say, he could we and I we really didn't need money then. I mean, if he would have stuck around. I could, I, you know, I, I was traveling with a bunch of local guys in town. I could, I was smart enough then where I could have got him these fights. We could, like I say, he went to California, had legal problems again. So. so he went to the UFC, then he did the 206 thing or uh, the Cedar Rapids thing. And then for you, your steroid business. It's down. I mean, it's, it's non existent, basically. It's non existent. What, uh, and 20, where I got my last case of trouble was I started laundering money for these guys. Mm-hmm. So you would, you kind of had this day job, and then you said you wanted more money. You called up the Ukrainians and said, "Hey, what can I do?" That, yeah, I was laid off, and uh, they were they were they got to where they were big time, but I was out of it. I mean, I was pretty much nickel and dime. But their operation really got big, mm-hmm. international big operation, and how they need somebody to handle their money. They trusted me, so uh, if you wanted something, you would mail me the money. I would call my boys and say, or, "No, I would get on the internet." email them, say, I got their money, and they would send you your stuff. And uh, I was handling their money for them. Mm-hmm. That's why they came in on me the last time, money laundering. And how did that, how did they get busted, I guess? Well, yeah. Uh, there was a guy in Pittsburgh named Paul G. Matthews who ran a gym. He uh, got caught with a bunch of stuff, and he rolled on them. And there's no extradition laws to the Ukraine. So the FBI, they... Uh, coaxed my boys into going to Cyprus and told them that they were bankers who could teach them how to better launder their money through a bank transaction or something. And uh, my buddy's son and another guy who they blamed everything on, who had who was a real, I don't know why they did it. They, they, the FBI claims they got the, the kingpin, they didn't get him. But anyway, they busted those guys and me on the same day, St. Patrick's Day, March 17, 2010. So that day, at this point, you had kind of been working the uh, the door at this bar here in town. Yeah. And uh, you said you go to the laundromat because you had one green shirt and uh, you needed to wash I co- it. I come back and uh, they got they, uh, the local police, DEA, or drug enforcement task force, whatever the local guy. I seen him pull up behind me and he, he jerked me out of my car and a big van full of big DEA agents ran up into my apartment. They had a cop, they had a guy... Wanted to know, uh, told me they got my boy Muscle Bear, all this stuff. I was like, good for you. I don't know who he is. I don't know the guy. Good for you. But you did. Huh? But you did know him? I don't don't know. No, I don't. Because it changed since then. I don't know if I did or not. I don't know who. who, my, My guy got bigger, but I didn't know who was in charge. And who was Muscle Bear, I guess. I don't know. I didn't yeah. ask. I don't know. I don't know if it was my guy or a guy above him. I didn't ask. I was with my. I saw those guys in Ohio. But that was. Some, weren't they trying to say that that was some, uh, like a website or something? Yeah, it was. So it that's was. what they're doing all their business through a yeah. website instead of the mail. Yeah. Okay. And so. But how it worked is like I say, you'd email them. Want your stuff, but you send me the money, and I'd handle the money. And once I got the money, you would get your stuff from somebody. And you would you would mail that money to the Ukraine. I'd wire it to, uh, yeah, Ukraine, or I'd send it to another guy in the United States. Hmm. And um, so somebody, you know, there ended up being like a sting operation, and they get you guys. You get arrested. Can you talk about uh, um, what you found funny about getting arrested that day? What? what elaborate. The Hardy story. Oh yeah. <laughs> I got. I, I, of course, I live next to Hardee's. I'm getting raided. I, I, the only thing I thought, them old people drinking their coffee and shit and then just talking about 
a little bit to nothing. All of a sudden, they, all of a sudden they see these DEA drilling. They had to be <laughs> shit in their pants, man. They blocked. <laughs> they blocked off the whole town on my side of the square. Uh, they blocked off the road. I mean, it was like it was like a SWAT team. They thought, I bet those people they got their money's worth of Hardee's that day. When you were when you were sitting in the uh, in the truck and they're raiding everything and they're blocking everything. They, want, off. they wanted me to go up to the apartment. I refused. I said, I'm going to jail. I'm not. I'm not. Did you know it was over? Yeah, I didn't have anything in the apartment. I'm surprised they start. I had I had like a hundred tabs in the apartment, but they they charged me for a state charge. Mm-hmm. Because I for the hundred tabs, I mean they had nothing. I was I was pretty much out of it. For people who don't know, it was a hundred tabs like um, that's that's nothing. personal stash. Yeah, or? personal stash. Okay, and so you got a, you got in you know it was over. They came and got that. They take you down there. They start interviewing you and they didn't interview. I told them I'd talk to them. Yeah, and uh, you got a lawyer at that point. I got a local lawyer. Then I uh, since it was a Fed case, I called my uh, cousin Mike Kielty out of St. Charles, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And he did a good job for me. And uh, at that point, you were just held up in Appaloose County. I was held up in Appaloose County, but uh, they had to drop the charges on me because they didn't. They sent the evidence to get evaluated in Pennsylvania, and there was no. They had no case against me. Yeah. So all state charges were dropped. Yeah. And yeah. anyway, if you're in trouble, usually the feds trump state anyway. They just hung me up because I wouldn't talk. Mm-hmm. And were you in touch with the Ukrainians at all? I. I got I got a message out to him, told him I was busted, and I did get a phone number and I called him and they said, uh, I wonder what was going on. And they said, Well, they got my son. He got my son. They got some other guy who they hidden the whole thing on, and uh, he said they're fighting extradition, but they're going to lose. So I knew then that they would. Uh, I, th- I thought maybe if they got off the island. Cyprus is an island. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe they escaped off that island. They'd forget about me because I was a nobody. If the, if the kingpins got off the island, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If they escaped and went, got back to Ukraine, they wouldn't fuck with me. But they were just, my buddies over there were fighting extradition. They were all waiting until they extradited them, and then they would come get me. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Yeah. So then, that makes um, sense there, buddy? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, they, um, then you said in the book that somebody did get off the island, right? In a spy case, they did. A separate, totally separate totally, thing. Totally separate case. But you were trying to tell them, hey, try that? No. Uh, what happened was my buddies had to go in front of that same judge and let that guy off that escaped. And the, and the United States was pissed at that judge because it really caused a lot. Yeah, because this was a Russian spy, and he got off the island. Mm-hmm. My buddies thought maybe they could beat the case until that happened. And the fucking judge was hard on them. They, they wouldn't get a lot of bail out. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you got, um, you know, you got just kind of sat around and waited until you could get your sentencing? Well, they, I, had, I was indicted out of Pittsburgh. I, uh, I got my job back at the local machine shop, and uh, I had to turn myself in uh, May of 2011. 2011, okay. For, for, for uh, yeah, 2011 May. And um, so your sister who got you the $30,000 now has another job. She's got a yeah, drive in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And where I really screwed up this time, I had $25,000 in a bank and they got it. I don't know what I was thinking. The state would have never figured out what I was doing. Well, they might tell you that it's not illegal for me to get fucking money in the mail. I get mail you all the money. It's not illegal. They might think it is. But I never, I let my guy, I never thought that the feds would be peeking in our emails and that's how they got me. Mm. You know, I just never thought that. That's how they got us through emails. Mm. Once I emailed my buddy and they found out I was laundering the money, and they flat out told me, the feds told me, we know you, we don't give a shit about your nickel dime operation down here. But when you start, you started laundering money for these guys. Plus, I was helping, I didn't write about in a book, I was helping them launder money through credit card transactions too. It was a real complex scheme. I didn't write about it in a book, it was boring, but I was helping them in other ways too. And they, that's why they commit on me. That day uh, when they came to your apartment at Hardy's, that was the middle of the day, wasn't it? Like 8.30 in the morning. What, what was it? 8.30 well, I, in the morning. For some reason, I don't remember what it was, but I remember, like, because I grew up down the street. Yeah, down, I know you did. Yeah, he used to come down and play catch with us every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, I know you did. I, I, come to some of our sporting events. And, uh, but yeah, I remember, I remember like something was going on down there <laughs> and I was like outside or something. And I was like, what's going on? Mom? And my mom's like, I don't know. It was, Saint pa- it was on a Wednesday. It was St. Patrick's Day 210. Yeah. It was like, it, you might've been getting ready to go to school. It might've been earlier than 830. Right. 
That's what I, was I got up early. I think it might have been earlier than 8.30. It was right around 8, 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, but it was light out. And yeah, it was yeah, light so, out. Yeah, those, it was light yeah, out. Not only were the old people drinking the coffee across the <laughs> street, there was little kids going to the corner of the street. getting their money's worth, too. Good for you. <laughs> John was probably in there getting free water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Free water and then go down to Brad's get some So, yeah. So, at that point, it was just, it was just kind of all over for you. All over. So then you you know what was that drive like to Pittsburgh that you know? Well, that wasn't real fun. It wasn't real fun. Allegheny County Jail staying in there wasn't fun. Yeah. But uh, I stayed in Allegheny County Jail for four months, four and a half months. That place that sucked. And uh, but I did meet some people I still in contact with an Irishman, and uh, yeah, a guy from Ireland. I can stay in contact with him. He's a pretty good dude. Then I got sentenced to four and a, I got sentenced to twenty months in a federal penitentiary. And did you do the full 20? In the Fed system, you do 80, they tell you 85%, it's actually 87.5. Yeah, you, yeah there's no, yeah, you got to do it. Hmm. I was sent, uh, I was bouncing around to like three or four different prisons. I finally wound up in Marion, Illinois. So you had always talked about when you'd get, you know, the Sheraton, Unionville, every, t- every time you'd been to jail prior, these short stints, you'd get out, you'd call the Ukrainians, hey, what can I do, what can I do? At this point, were you, was it, were you just like, it's, it's done? It's over. I was, I was in jail with them guys. Yeah. You know, and, and I... And Ohio, the Ukrainians. Yeah, I was, in, I was in jail with the two guys they got from the Ukraine. Oleg. Yeah. No. The other two. His son and a the guy they pinned it on. I'm, I'm going to hold up this car. I mean, can I hold up this sign that I got over here? Yeah. This is a the guy that, that they said was the big kingpin. And you can Google this up on the internet. I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but this guy was a professional race car driver. And if you, if you Google his name, all the bullshit comes up that he was uh, this kingpin. But the real story is you, go, you see all his race car results. The guy didn't even speak English. He knew nothing about steroids. And I don't know why they pinned it on him. They, uh, he looks like your stereotypical Russian. He's big, strong kid, and he, you know, he's got that blonde-haired, blue-eyed look. You know, he looks like, and, and I don't know why they pinned on it. And here's the thing. I don't know why the FBI didn't do it better. They make themselves look stupid because when they arrested this kid, they said he was 34 years old. And in a report, they said this ring's been going on for 20 years. So this fucking kid started this ring when he's 14 fucking years old. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was it's poor... Why they hung it on this kid, I have no idea. I mean, it, it, he, it, but we, I talked to him. He could speak a little English. He knew he was in trouble and went to Cyprus because they got him on a conspiracy. Because if you're talking about shit and you're going there to meet with somebody about stuff, they can get you on conspiracy. That's how conspiracy works. If I called you tonight and say, hey, man, I got a stash of roids and I want you to just stash it for him, you say, okay, you're in on the conspiracy with me. You're going down with me. That's the way a conspiracy works. Well, he went to Cyprus. He was a, he had a driver's license to drive my buddy's kid around Cyprus, and then they hung it on him. Hmm. It's crazy. It's, it's the crazy. It's it's wild. How much time did he do? They did three and a half years. And and what's what's bad for them, them poor bastards. We had a we had a uh, the prosecuting attorney was real nice. He was a nice woman. They was gonna they was gonna let them kids pay a million dollars and let them go home. Well, she got sick. He brought in some dickhead, and he made him do the whole fucking three and a half years. Hmm. But, but three and a half years, you know, it, it, it could have been worse for him. Yeah. So uh, did you guys, when you were all in there, were you guys Oh, we, we talked in the yard and stuff. I mean, yeah, we just, yeah, we, I seen him for a month, and uh, the kid grew up. But I didn't really, I only seen him for a day or two when I was over there. He grew up. I didn't, I would have never recognized him. Because the only way I knew I was there, that I saw a guard that had a Ukrainian he had a Ukrainian last name. I said, well, I'm in here fucking around with you fucking Ukrainians. He said, well, who are they? He said, well, they're right next, they'll be right next to you, pal. <laughs> and, I, I, and I told somebody in that unit, I said, is Sarai in there? Is, is, uh, he said, yeah. And we talked to each other through the doors, and we, saw, we would talk in the yard and stuff. Did they know who you were? Who? The Ukrainians that were in there? Did they? Did they oh, s- yeah, because I met that kid earlier when I was over in Kiev. Did he recognize you? The other one you? didn't. Did they, they recognize were, you? Well, they knew it. Well, I mean, yeah, they recognized they, they recognized me. They knew you were in there they, before they had ever saw you. They knew you were in there, or no? They, they knew they I got guard? busted because I told I got a call over there. They knew I, I was busted. Mm-hmm. They didn't know I was in Ohio. See, Ohio, they didn't know I was in there. So they so how they find out the guard the guard tell them? No, or? I they was in a uh, they was in a unit next to me, and every time we go out to uh, break or chow, 
I'd say, man, is there any fucking Russians in that cell in, in that pod with you? Is there any Russian? They said, yeah, there is, there is. The one guy knew, and I said, well, tell him. And I, and I tell him, I said, tell him Joe's in the next cell. And then we got, we got to seeing each other in the yard. And what shit. are the odds of that? <laughs> I know, that's what I said. <laughs> well, they were dying out of Pittsburgh. They, they, their lawyer was smart and got them out of Pittsburgh, Allegheny County Jail, because that place, it's a hellhole. If you Google, Google up Allegheny County Jail in Pittsburgh, I mean, that, that fucking jail's getting sued all the time, guards beating on people. It's a hellhole, man. It, it's a brutal jail. And their lawyer got them out of there. If I had to do it over again, the judge was going to let me go home that day. But I said, ah, I'm going to start my time now. She said, you can go home. We'll come. I said, you turn yourself in. I said, now, I would never go back. Fuck that. Play place suck. <laughs> you, um, That's brutal. That's real jail. You did have some good times in there on the softball field? Yeah, man. Yeah, Pete Rose was in the... Uh, they claim that Pete Rose built the softball field at Marion, Illinois. They, they, he, he watched the 1990 World Series in Marion, Illinois, and they called it Pete's team because he basically built that team when the Reds won the World Series. Yeah. They claim that he, they claim that he uh, helped donate money to help build the softball field. They said the whole time he was in there that he was in the warden's office. Brown knows him, too. They said he was fucking <laughs> How was uh, your reputation in jail, like being a steroid dealer? We had a, we had a, we had a weight yard and stuff, and I never had a problem making friends. People always curious about the shit, you know. I mean, yeah. You um. I did. know I was never raped in jail. <laughs> Let's get that out right now. No, I was never raped in jail. Okay. I was old. Nobody went out. Somebody like you, you could get a prom date, but <laughs> they didn't want nothing to do with me, man. Yeah, that's why I'm so away, <laughs> man. Um, so stay out of trouble till you get older, son. Yeah. Well, after I get the steroids down, then maybe I'll be all right. Yeah, I know. I know people want. No, nah, I never got raped. <laughs> okay. Too uh, many young guys giving it up. They didn't want me. <laughs> um, so you, you know, played softball. Um, you just kind of did your time, and uh, you started writing a book. Yeah. I, I, when I wasn't playing ball, I had a real easy job, my meaningless job. When I first got there, when you go to the Fed joint, they give you a job. They give you like twenty bucks. Man, they give you like two dollars a week. That uh, so I decided I was going to write a book. Tell you want to get the book, the, uh, yeah, you, the original, yeah, yeah, the original, yeah, right there, the original. Yeah. So here's the here's the here's the re here's the real copy. That's the real copy. Um, it's on Amazon, like I said earlier. We're gonna put a put it in the link down below. Um, but here's what it looks like. I'll let you yeah, show. Yeah, man, that's this is what prison. This is what you buy in the commissary in prison, man. I wrote it. How many pages is it there? Do you know? Uh, I've got like four or five, of the, three or four of these at home. Oh wow! So there's multiple. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can, this ain't all. This ain't the whole book. Wow. That printed. Hey, yeah, look at this. It's pretty cool. I forgot I had this stuck in there. It's the Hoffman. Shit. And so when you got home, you ended up um, just typing it all out, or did they have somebody I had somebody, do it? I had somebody do it. Pretty cool. Let's see this. John might want to see that. It's in the book. Yeah. Okay. That's in the book, but you can read it better there. Yeah, it's an article. We'll have to get a better shot of that. I'll let you guys check it out. But, uh... No, I, had, I, I paid a guy to do it. I, I told him I'd keep it on the down low because I didn't want him, people frown on him. He helped me out with the book, you know. Cause, yeah. But I had a guy do it for me. I paid him for it. He did everything for me. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do that, but make a... Uh, what made you want to write a book? I, I don't know. Why. Because, you know what, with the rumor mill with my kid, it's out there to see. You know, you're going to hear rumors, you know. About what actually went on. Shit. Here's the book. If you want to read it, plus my my daughter's all for it. She thought it'd be interesting. You know why not? What That's was why I'm uh, doing the interview? I mean, I'll be dead 30 years from now. My grand, my future grandkids find this on the internet, think it's funny. Why not? <laughs> Screw it. You know what I mean? What What was the craziest rumor you ever heard about yourself? You know, you asked me that and and, and earlier, and uh, no, I never really give a shit what the rumors were. So I have to do a good a time. Of course, I always heard, I always people implied that I had my kid on the shit. Maybe not, come on. Yeah. And, That's uh, got to be a compliment, though. Nobody's ever accused me of being on steroids. <laughs> but my, my daughter was a hell of an athlete. That's yeah. why. I mean, she was very good. And people, people, you know, just, the, I think people implied that I had her on it. Yeah. Nah, not, but, yeah, you asked me, that, that was a, I never really stopped to think what people, I never have thought really cared what people said or thought about me. I mean, I, I just never did. Yeah. Never did talk to, 
take the time to think, hey, I wonder what the rumors are about me. I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> I really don't. I've always lived that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of why, like, I, you know, I was kind of intrigued. You, we talked about, you know, why we're doing the story, you know, MMA and everything tied in with what Zach's doing. But I just think it's really cool just how much you, you, you are yourself. And, you know, that's just unique. You know, you just don't care. And it's just you're you. No, I really don't. I mean, that's just the way I've always, the way it always has been, man. Screw it. And while you're in jail, you talked about um, you guys are waiting to see if the, who was the senator or whatever that sold a seat. Oh, Blagojevich. Yeah. His, yeah. Uh, Did he We thought up? he was coming in. No, Did, because... Uh, they hung him. He, uh, he, he got, the rule of thumb is if you get more than 10 years, they'll send you to a, if you get less than 10 years, they'll send you to a, a camp. I was in a camp. But uh, he got, you know, he, they rung him up. He did like 12 years. They sent him to uh, Colorado. Was there ever any famous cases that were in, that you did time with? Oh, uh, a few, uh, Blogovich's snitch was in there. Oh, really? How was he treated? Nah. Uh, I mean, he was he was a politician. I don't know, but he, I don't know. There's a lot of snitches in there, really. People say they don't snitch. There's a lot of snitches in there. How are they? By the way, but let me just remember, this is the first time I ever wore a wire proudly <laughs> right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I pride myself about. I never ratted. I mean, that. Yeah. I took my beat like a man. I've never ratted. You had a good another good quote here that I want to read. Okay, the quote says, my counselor's at the Western Regional Diagnostic Correction Center, which is where they, where, when you did time, right? They, in Missouri. In Missouri. Yeah. They said they would, they would say that being proud of being a trusted drug dealer was nothing more than criminal pride. And you said, I have to give them credit where credit is due. They were 100% correct. <laughs> <laughs> so you're proud of, the, of uh, you know, I not don't snitching. Know. They, I, were trying to, they were trying to coach you guys to snitch. No, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. When I, let me, when I wrote that book, I was a very angry guy, man. I mean, I was, I'm not angry anymore. I mean, it's, it's over. You know, there's, there's some cops that I'll even talk to in the streets in my case. There's some of them that I wish nothing but the worst for, and some have gotten karma's kicked them straight in the ass. And I'm not going to mention any names, but yeah. it's kicked them straight in the ass, and I'm glad to see it. They were bigger criminals than I were, and they know who they are. There's another quote that you have in there. You said, the only thing you regret is getting caught. Has that changed since? or do, you, do you I regret, regret the stress I put on my daughter. Yeah. I regret that uh, I missed her senior year. I missed her senior year in softball, missed her senior year in basketball. She, she played for a, uh, a real good softball, a national, she, uh, a team that went to nationals in softball at Kirkwood. You know, it's a top G, G, JUCO program in the country. I missed all of her games when I was on probation. I got to see four of them. She went to the World Series. I didn't get to see that. She played one year. Give it up. She's a student at Iowa State. She graduated. So I do miss that time. I never get that back. Would you do it all again or no? I'd write that letter tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do a few things different, but I'd write that letter. Here's my, here's my theory about life is, man, dollars fill your pockets, but adventures fill your soul. Yeah. I've got a pretty full soul. Yeah. Uh, do you ever get hit up anymore? Like, hey, Joey, you got anything? I, I get asked um, about like Austrian shit. Yeah. I mean, people, but no, yeah. I, uh, I'm done. Yeah. Well, uh, I got one last question. How did you officially get the nickname The Needle and who gave it to you? <laughs> That's a, that's the last page of the book. Man. Is it? Yeah. So, so you can't give perfect. that one out, huh? That's last perfect. page of the book. So let's save that one I, for you the know book. What? Nobody, I was never called that in the streets or anything. It's always Dr. Joe. I mean, I, I, that's what I was known by. I mean, I'd play softball. I'd, I'd give guys pain pills and shit. Hey, Dr. Joe, you got anything to help me? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were still doing that in jail? No, I played softball in the streets. Oh, yeah. Before, you know, I, I played a lot of softball. That was a big thing when we were growing up, softball. Yeah. You know, I always had... Players that need a little painkiller or something. I always, I always had a bag full of so feel how, good. How did you get the, the the last page of the book? You tell you talk about the guy. Can you talk about that? Ah, uh, if you want. I, he was just uh, an old Italian guy who. Uh, let me let me. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he was. Uh, he's one day. We were sitting there bullshitting one day at the uh, table, and he said. I'm gonna start calling the needle. You know, what? What? Yeah, the needle. I said, what the fuck? Why would you call me the needle, man? And the nickname just kind of stuck. You know, nobody called me the needle out on the street. People are gonna think I'm on cocaine, man. It's my fucking asthma. I get drug tested at work. I'm not. I'm not on coke. 
My asthma, my asthma, medicine, my asthma allergies kind of bother me. Okay. But no, that's why. A guy at Marion gave me that nickname, an Italian guy. He, uh, he had some, I think he had some underworld connections, and he just thought it'd be a cute nickname to give me. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> You, you, I like it. Yeah, I think it's the greatest thing <laughs> yeah. out there. Fit. My, my my daughter, she'll call me it once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's she true. was all right with this interview too. Or uh, well, first we thought it was gonna be a podcast. She don't know about, about all this other stuff. And she, yeah. hey, you want you want to see the Michael Jordan thing? You want that? Yeah, let's go ahead and bring it on. This, the, these are called wooden dolls. They're very popular in Ukraine. I don't know, I don't know if this is the guy's name on it or what. But the nutshell, this is how we were smuggling stuff in when, uh, bef when we were uh, in the beginning. These, 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 uh, these would be empty shells. There'd be no design on them. You got to pretend that Michael Jordan ain't on them. They would stuff the stuff full of stuff. And if it put cotton in it, they would glue it like this. Then he put a little generic design on it. Not Michael. You got to pretend Michael Jordan ain't here. Put a little generic design on it. It would be mailed to me. I'd sign for it. I'd take a hacksaw and I'd cut it right there. Start chipping at it. Take my time. Get all my stuff out of it. In a nutshell. <laughs> were they uh, were they those size that size too? No, it was the the wooden eggs were probably a little bit smaller. He could get three of them in a box. They're probably like this. They were wooden Easter eggs, mm -hmm. generic wooden. They're painted generic. That's, that's basically how they got in. People probably thought you were running some sort of antique store. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever they wanted to think. Oh, well, you got any other questions? Got any other questions? It seemed like with your free time, you dabbled in like a lot of things. Like you even tried some cage fighting yourself. For oh yeah, a while. Oh, cage so, fighting. Yeah. I was the. I may not have been the worst cage fighter I ever got in a cage, but I'm damn close. <laughs> no, I don't know. Actually, if I wish I had photos or a film of my amateur boxing match, I was actually pretty good in that, and I. Lost the decision. I don't know what made me possess. Think I could do that? I have no fucking idea this day. <laughs> I'm hard-headed. I was athletic. At 37 years old. I thought I'd get in a cage, and I really I should have been two and two. I had this kid beat. Had him in an ankle lock, and I fucked up. But it's not something I look back every day in my life. Say, oh, I wish I'd have pursued that. Not at all. With my foot speed, I wish it maybe I would have tried football in college or baseball because I could run like a deer. But this ultimate fighting. I like it outside the cage more than I do inside the cage. Screw that. You were just too brave. Huh? You were just too brave. Nah, yeah. Had early, early midlife crisis. I don't know what it was. <laughs> All right. You sent a video last night of you dabbling in stand-up comedy. Yeah. Well, that's filthy. Wasn't that a bad? <laughs> you know what? That's, that's an old act. I did that in like 94 before I basically got into stuff. And uh, the police confiscated my old tape. And when I got off probation, I, told my I always told my daughter about it. I said, you know, I used to do stand-up, right? She said, yeah, yeah. I go, I'm going to go to the lefties and do it some night. She says, I'm going. No, you're not. It's filthy. I'm going. So she actually filmed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's who filmed it, man. She thought it was funny. She's like me. She's got a warped sense of humor, man. Yeah. And, and Pete, I got comments on the Internet that, that nobody laughed, but there was nobody in the crowd. And it, that's real political. 20 years ago, that was funny. It was plenty incorrect. People didn't like that. People were like shocked that I would get up there with that. Like, what the fuck is this guy doing, man? Was that your only set? That's my only set. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably wrap this up. All right, man. What'd you think? You like it? Yeah, I'm really glad. I hope Anything, it works out for you. Any last words for the crowd? No, thanks for coming. Hope uh, the viewers at home. Huh? The viewers at home. Viewers at home. Stay out of jail. You wouldn't like it. So yeah. The system sucks.